What's going on, everybody? Welcome to E. Inner Olympian. Inner Olympian. Inner Olympian podcast. You're rocking with the best. Everyone, it's Baladia Jamale. Hey, it's Kira. Everybody, Jared Curry here. Hey, everybody, it's Marissa Papa Constantino here. Hey, everyone, it's Nisha Powell. Hey, I'm Pierce Lepage. Hey, guys, Alicia here. Hey, guys, this is Tia Bennett. Hey, guys, my name is Khadija. Make sure you check out the Inner Olympian podcast. I want you to head over to the Inner Olympian podcast. Check out the Inner Olympian podcast. Check out the Inner Olympian podcast. And I want you guys to check out the Inner Olympian podcast. I want you all to do me a favor and go check out the Inner Olympian podcast. You won't want to miss it. You won't regret it. You gotta do it. What's going on, everybody? And welcome to the Inner Olympian podcast where the goal is to inspire, motivate, and help you exceed what you believe is possible for your life, business, and your relationships by tapping into your inner Olympian. My name is Shegu McIndey. I'm a two-time Canadian Olympian, and I'm your host. Listen, um, I really believe that you don't need to go to the Olympics to be an Olympian. I believe that being an Olympian comes down to the way that you think, act, and live that everyone has the power to tap into the potential of their inner Olympian by changing their mindset, not only to better their own life, but the lives of those around them. This is episode 17. And if uh, this is your first time listening, welcome. And if you've been listening for a while now, thank you so much for your support and for the love. It means a lot. And I appreciate you. It's really amazing to see how much the podcast and the whole inner Olympian idea itself has grown and is growing, and I hope it continues to grow for years to come, quite frankly. Sweet. Um, In this episode, I chat with Canadian long jumper and professional model Divya Biswal. Now, Divya is the older twin sister of one of my previous guests, Deviani Biswal. And um, so it's pretty cool to have her on the podcast. And shout out to Dev and shout out to Div. Appreciate both of you. And um, it's a really cool and really fun episode. So a little bit about Div. Uh, Like I said, Div is a Canadian long jumper. She's represented Canada at the Francophone Games, where she finished fourth triple jump. She's also a graduate of St. Lawrence University, where she majored in biology and minored in mathematics. She's a two-time NCAA Division III champion, two-time NCAA Division III Athlete of the Year, six-time Liberty Field Athlete of the Year, NCAA Woman of the Year nominee, um, she's also the St. Lawrence University program record holder in the 60 meters, 60 meter hurdles, 100 meter hurdles, long jump, and triple jump. On top of that, like I said, also she's a model and she has modeled for brands such as Nike, Samsung, and like the whole uh, shebang. This is a really cool episode and it's also really interesting. And it's interesting because of Divya's journey to how she's gotten to where she is today. She has done multiple things, as you can see in her life so far, but I think it's just a testament to being able to step out of your comfort zone and take a risk and take a chance on yourself and your ability and what you think you can do. And it also kind of goes to show you that you don't have to be limited by anything and you're not limited by anything. You're really only limited by your mind and what you think you can do. And she also gets very vulnerable and and open with us about some of the things that she's going through in terms of the whole coronavirus situation, how it's affecting her as she's currently in the United States. And um, we just have a really kind of open and candid conversation. And I think it's going to be a really encouraging episode for a lot of you who are 
who are listening and who and if you're listening for the first time, I hope you are encouraged by it. But really, I hope it does encourage you and kind of inspire some hope that you don't need to have everything planned out. You don't need to have everything set in stone in order for you to achieve what it is that you need to achieve. You only need to believe in yourself enough to try. And that's usually all it comes down to at the end of the day. Believing in yourself enough to try and then letting the rest take care of itself. And it usually does. So that being said, hope you're encouraged. I hope you're inspired and enjoy. What's going on, everybody? Um, I'm here with twin number one, actually. If you guys have been listening to my podcast, I recently had Devyani on the podcast, and now I have her older twin sister. Divya. By two minutes. Two minutes. Two minutes older. Div, Div, welcome to the show. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Now I'm going to get... You got you you got a lot going on, girl. So <laughs> if I get anything wrong, if I mess up, let me know. But okay. uh, let's start off at the beginning. Attended St. Lawrence University, majored in biology, with minor in math. Went to New York, did some financial analyst stuff for Angelo Gordon, really big firm in New York. Um, while at St. Lawrence University, you were the NCAA champion in the long jump and triple jump. You're the NCAA Field Athlete of the Year and Field Athlete of the Meet twice, nine-time All-American, NCAA Woman of the Year nominee, which is huge, <laughs> six-time Liberty League Field Athlete of the Year, and you also set the program records in the long jump, triple jump, both indoors and outdoors, 60-meter hurdles, 100-meter hurdles, and the 4 by 2 which is nuts. Ooh. Yeah, and then just to top it off, you're also a model, and you've modeled for Samsung, Apple. Toyota, T-Mobile, Athleta, and exclusive, you're about to be uh, a character in an online digital gaming universe. And that's that's super dope. <laughs> yeah. And maybe the most pertinent one to track and field is um, Nike collabs with Finish Line. So I've been doing a lot for them. So like your range right now is, I mean, just by this is like diverse, like you majored in biology, minored in math. Yeah. I've made a lot of significant life changes. Yeah, financial, an- financial <laughs> analyst at Angelo Gordon, uh, two-time, yeah. two-time NCAA champion, modeling now for like these huge brands. I mean, before we even get there, you know, how did you start off? I mean, you, you similar to your sister, right? You started off being a figure skater first before moving over to track. So kind of take yep. us from, you know, high school to those major changes to where you are now doing modeling and things like that. Okay. So I'll make this as, you know, concise as possible because my life (laughs) has literally been all over the place. I started doing track and field in elementary school when they would pick people in gym class to represent the school at the board wide meet. Um, I remember seeing triple jump when I was in sixth grade and you couldn't do it till seventh grade. And I remember thinking this looks really fun. And I was able to do it the first try, which I guess is not normal because it requires some coordination of the body. And then I kind of just stuck with it. And I ended up at St. Lawrence University because I had heard a lot of stuff about some people do really well in Division One and some people don't. And so St. Lawrence was a Division Three school that had a great science program because I always wanted to be a doctor. Um, so I went to St. Lawrence did bio, did chem, did math, 
worked some TA jobs because, you know, university in the U.S. is kind of expensive. And I ended up achieving what a, a lot of people would look at it as being a very successful track career. I do have some regrets because I didn't try very hard, which is embarrassing to admit. And then kind of about my junior year, I decided. So if, if you graduate in four years, it would be my third year. Mm-hmm. I decided I didn't want to be a doctor anymore. My mom had a panic attack. And she was like, <laughs> what are you going to do? And it wasn't necessarily because she didn't, she only wanted me to be a doctor. Nobody in my family is doctors. They're all in the finance world or they're economists. So to me, I was like, this should make sense to you because this is what our whole family does. But she was more kind of like, where is this coming from? You've mm-hmm. wanted to do this forever. And now you just want to change all of a sudden. So I saw that my university had this like St. Lawrence, New York City semester internship program. I applied, somehow got an internship at Angelo Gordon, which is considered one of the best internships in that program because the program was created by John Angelo of Angelo Gordon, who went to my school. I got this internship begged them for a job every day that I was there. They gave me a job. And so I ended up getting this like crazy finance job. And a lot of people hear finance and they think like underwriting or credit. I was on the sales side of it. So if you think of a big pension plan that you're invested in when you get a regular job, they invest those plans into different types of financial funds. So I would go and sell on a high level, uh, the funds that my firm had to these pension funds. And so it's kind of crazy. I got thrown into the deep end where I ended up like covering the (laughs) the Middle East (laughs) and was given way more responsibility than somebody at my age. And actually (laughs) one of my, so I was working with my boss just because there were some changes higher up. And so the Middle East is very relationships based. So I was really heavily involved in like marketing these funds to sovereign wealth funds in the Middle East. So actually one of the biggest accounts, the guy, his family, he works in Kuwait. His family happened to be in Toronto. They're an Indian family. They literally showed up to the AO championship like two years ago. Mm-hmm. And my boss was like, how do you, we, we literally had a big Indian dinner with this guy who's like responsible for a billion, like multi-billion dollar sovereign wealth fund. Mm-hmm. So we did that. Um, I had a lot of success. I, I think what a lot of people don't know is I left finance to pursue this Olympic dream. And my now husband, Justin, part of the incentive of him taking this job at the University of Laverne, which is where we are now, was because the head track coach is you heard it on Dev's podcast, this guy named Kevin Reed, who is an amazing track coach, like phenomenal. And I just decided that I was going to go all in. And because of government stuff, um, I actually wasn't allowed to work while my green card was pending. I don't know if a lot of people know that, but when your green card is in flux, you're not allowed to leave the country and you're not allowed to work. Mm-hmm. So that can be kind of an issue and it takes six months. <laughs> and that was fast to get my green card. So I just put my whole life into track and I had a really great year that first year. And then I started modeling when I could. And now since life is in flux, I'm just modeling as much as I can. Like the tracks around here are still closed, at least like in the 30 minute vicinity of where I live. Not one track is open. Um, So yeah, I've just been trying to do the best I can at home. And I just been modeling like crazy. 
that's my life. In regards to track, why the jumps over the hurdles? Your sister ended up doing hurdles. I think she was doing a little bit of long, long jump at the beginning, but then yeah, she you know did. she went went over the hurdles. But you stuck with the jumps, yeah, even though I you were doing know. hurdles. I've, it's like the opposite. I've always liked the jumps. I think it's come more naturally to me. I was never a great hurdler. Like I was okay, but I just don't have that coordination over the hurdle. You know what that takes because you hurdled at a very high level, much higher than I did. <laughs> Um, I don't know. Like there's something about the jumps. I like jumping into sand. It's just also more fun to train for, in my opinion, because you Mm. can do more than just run. Like you get to do plyos and you get to practice different elements. And there is this like competitiveness with yourself because you can get stronger and you can get faster, but it doesn't, especially in the triple jump, it doesn't necessarily mean you will jump further. So you kind of have to like figure it out it's a very big balance of speed and strength and timing and learning new timing so it was always just interesting for me deciding not to become a doctor and deciding to go the route of like you know i'm just gonna do something completely different what was that like like what was the what was the thought process behind that like what caused you to be like i'm done i don't want to do this anymore it is i think i was just really sick of people in my classes they were just so annoying to be around that I was like, I don't really want to be in school with people like this for the next <laughs> 10 years. And I want to do something else. And I knew that I potentially wanted to pursue track after college. And bringing a finance job is not the best way to do that. But it's a little bit, I think, more flexible than being in school for the next 10 years. So I decided to do that. But my biggest advice to anybody who wants to change what they're going to do is give it some thought. Like, don't just rashly do it. But you kind of have to go in with a completely open mind and roll with the punches because when I look back at everything that had to go right for my Mm -hmm. life to end up the way that it has, I probably would have never even done it Mm. because like I had to get the internship. I had to ask them to give me a job because I was Canadian. So nobody was, no random hedge fund was going to give a Canadian biology major a job at a hedge fund. So I kind of knew in that internship, like, this is my one shot to get a job. I got the job. I had the student visa for a year. Then I had to get picked out of a lottery. They have 375,000 applicants for the H-1B, H-1B visa every year. They only give out like 70,000. So your name has to be picked out of a hat to even apply. So my name had to get picked out of a hat, like one in five chances. My name got picked out of a hat. Then they had to argue why I deserved this job over an American, which they did. My firm had to pay for that. So I finally got this visa. So when I look at all the things that had to go right, it's really crazy. I I mean, it did go right. I kind of just went in and rolled with the punches. But it was definitely like looking back on it. If I would have known that all of that had to go right, I probably wouldn't have done it. So just, you know, trust yourself. That's crazy. I'm thinking about like, Cause even because you mentioned, you know, you went in and you like asked them every single day for a job. So yeah. like, I can imagine how annoying that would be for someone, but at the oh, same yeah. time, super annoying. but at the same time, you know, if you want something right, like you have to, you have to be persistent. Like you have to ask and you have to like have the, the boldness to, yeah. to ask for what you want. And so I think that's, first off, I think that's really impressive. Number one, especially at a firm like Angelo Gordon <laughs> Thank um, you. and coming in as a Canadian. So t- talk about that. Yeah. One of my biggest strengths looking back on what I've done is my, which is probably why I'm good at sales is my ability to create relationships with people. So 
the head of the group is like a father figure to me. Like he was invited to my wedding. He, he's somebody that I still call to this day for advice. And so I kind of knew that I could push that limit with him. And I knew that I could ask, but I also knew that if I didn't ask, it wasn't going to be handed to me. Hmm. And I think that's the biggest thing that I learned. Like, even when you work in finance, like you don't ask to be paid what you think you're worth. You're never going to be paid what you're worth. They're never going to just decide I'm going to give you X, Y, and Z. You have to ask for it. Hmm. But in that same realm, you have to back that up with hard work ethic and showing results. So I think if you really want something, you should ask for it, but then you should also make sure that you're doing everything you possibly can to earn that. That's deep. I mean, if you don't ask, you'll never know. So there's no harm. Like the worst right. thing that's going to happen is they say no, and you're exactly where you started. You're right. You absolutely so. I think I think why I like that so much is because I, I read a story and I posted this a while back, but I read a story about um, the guy who invented Dyson. It took him 15 years to get it right. And like, like over, I forget the number again, but still, you know, 15 years to to get one thing right. You know what I mean? Like, my husband's walking by me right now and I literally asked him every day, not every day, but I was like, when are you going to propose? When are you going to propose? <laughs> and look, now I have a husband. <laughs> <laughs> so for anybody out there. <laughs> yeah. Maybe like, don't ask as much as I did, but. That's <laughs> funny. <laughs> if you want something, you know, you just gotta, you have to, well, you have to believe in yourself too. Like if mm-hmm. you have, you have zero self-confidence, um, but that's learned. I think everybody is doesn't feel confident when they start something for the first time. Like, you know, when I modeled now, I remember my first model casting. I literally, I literally, I wrote a blog about this. I thought I was going to shit my pants. I'm sorry if I can't say that, but, and now I go to model casting and I'm like, eh, whatever. I don't care. <laughs> if I get it, I get it. If I don't, I don't. Like, I just don't care. Mm-hmm. So it's just crazy how experience can really help build your confidence and, you know, give you the courage to ask for what you want. What do you mean by don't care? Like, I kind of just don't care if somebody thinks I look silly or like a lot of these model castings, like you have to do some crazy stuff. Like a guy will be like, okay. And there'll, there'll be like four other models in the room with you. And the guy will look at you with the camera rolling and he'll say, okay, I want you to act exactly what I'm about to say with just your face and don't use words and don't use your hands, just use your face. And he'll say, pretend you're this amazing ice carver who's about to sculpt a piece of ice in front of a crowd of 10,000 people. And you have to do it. And you have to not care if you make a fool of yourself. You just Mm. have to do it. And so that's something like when I first started modeling, I would have never been able to do that thing. And now if I get asked to do something crazy, I just do it. I don't care. I like that idea because I think a lot of people are scared to do, in a way, like kind of what it takes because Mm -hmm. of what it looks like to somebody else. When at the end of the day, if it required them making a silly face to get what they want, a lot of people wouldn't do it because someone else would look at them. And think and you're like, so silly. Exactly. And then they wouldn't have what they want and then they'd be miserable. And then, and then the other person would yeah. do the exact thing that they did, get what they wanted, and then they'd be upset. They got yeah, it. Yeah. And, and like now I kind of love when I have a really crazy casting because I can just tell people about it and it's really funny. Like, <laughs> crazier the better. I'll do it. So you go from wanting to be a doctor to yep. securing a 
job at Angela Gordon to now you're modeling. But what was that transition like between being a financial analyst and going full-time in a track and field? It was mentally hard because I knew I wanted to do track, but what you don't realize is when you give up something else to only focus on one thing, it sounds great in theory, but my mind was so, I just wasn't stimulated. And so I wasn't as happy as I thought I was going to be. I really wasn't. I was doing well and I loved what I was doing, but it's just really difficult, like from a mental standpoint. And then from the standpoint of us moving our family to California, it was such a difficult time because like the visas and I was on an H-1B visa, but if I moved to California, then the government would take away my visa. So my mm-hmm. husband and I actually got married almost a year before our actual wedding, which a lot of people don't know. So I guess you have the exclusive. Mm. Um, yeah, we had to get married so I wouldn't get deported. So we could actually just move to California together as a family. So I had part of me giving up my finance career wasn't even because I wanted to, it was because I had to, to be able to move with him and live here. Was that tough? Yeah, it was. And I mean, I think what a lot of people don't know is, by the way, what we did was not illegal. Like (laughs) if you have already been together and you know, you're going to get married, a lot of people do this where they'll actually get married on paper earlier. So they can kind of start the process of the green card because Then the other difficult part was we started the process of the green card. And now I've gone from being a finance analyst, making money and having this career to literally just staying at home, going to the track. And I'm not allowed to go home. I'm not allowed to leave the country and I'm not allowed to work. So it was a drastic change that Mm -hmm. I wasn't as mentally prepared for as I thought I would be. What were some some of the challenges? like? In regards to that? I mean, I think I've always been a very financially independent person. So relying on Justin was, I mean, I'm so grateful to him, but it was just harder for me because I didn't feel like I was contributing as much. Mm-hmm. And then from the social aspect, like you don't realize how many people you meet when you go to a job, like you make friends. And so I was making friends at the track, but my life and my husband's life were so intertwined. It wasn't good for us because we didn't get that space from one another because we were at the track and then we would see each other there. And I would see, like I would interact with people on his team, but I'm coach's wife. So I, do you know what I mean? So it's just, it's just a tough balance, I guess. Like it's not necessarily that there's anything wrong with it. It's just figuring it out is a little bit difficult because I'm a pretty social person. So to not be able to like, go to work and make my own friends and have Mm -hmm. a life outside of Laverne and this bubble, it has been very difficult for me. Mm. And like, and this might be a tough question, but do you feel like there are any type of regrets? Like, do you regret anything or, or or I guess going back, would you, would, would you change anything or would you, or would you have done things a little bit differently? No, I don't think I would because this really was the only solution. And I have, I wake up every morning. I'm so grateful for my life. Like I have the best husband. I have the best dog. We live in Southern California. I'm a model. Like my life has taken me in so many different directions and I've always landed on my two feet. So I'm not, 
Like, even with all this uncertainty about the Olympics, I've been going back and forth with, is this what I want to do? Do I want to do this for another year? There isn't even a guarantee that the games will happen. There isn't a guarantee that meets are going to happen that you can qualify at. So if you haven't already qualified, like, what does that really look like? Mm -hmm. So for me, I just, regardless of what I have done in my life, like, I just try to learn from different experiences. And then I just use it to be more grateful when I wake up every morning. Okay, so talk about the modeling industry now. You're you're in it. You're essentially, I like to look at it more of like not necessarily like a role model because it feels like you're acting, but like a positive example to somebody maybe. But um, what's that like? I mean, to me, modeling is the most fun job. It is so difficult. It is. It literally is one of people don't realize how hard it is to be a model. It is not easy. Like you have people touching you all the time. Like fixing clothes or fixing your makeup, which sounds really glamorous, but sometimes the clothes and the makeup may just not look good on you. But if they don't like the picture that's showing up on the screen, you feel like they're judging you as a person, which they're not like you're a canvas for whatever they're trying to create. So I think like modeling is modeling has somehow been very good for my self-confidence. Like I used to be the type of person that cared a lot what others thought of me. So I actually thought going into modeling, I wouldn't uh, thrive because I would care so much about every little thing that somebody thought of me. And there are jobs where I do get insecure, but for the most part now, some miraculous miracle has happened and it has given me so much more confidence and so much more joy than I could have ever imagined. And so I also think I'm coming into modeling at a very different time. So now you don't have to be 5'10 and a size double zero. You can be 5'6 and a size two. And I'm also not a high fashion model or runway model. It's a completely different world. I'm more like commercial and print. Mm -hmm. Um, But like, I love it. I actually never thought I would love something as much as I love modeling. Do you feel any pressure sometimes? Yeah, I definitely think like you get like anxious if you don't book jobs or if you don't get auditions because, you know, sometimes you can go and you can book five jobs from five auditions and sometimes you can go and you can do 20 auditions and not even get one callback. So there is this pressure to make money. I think I'm really fortunate. I'm in a category, like, like I said, there's not a lot of Indians in modeling. There just aren't. So Mm -hmm. I think I'm really fortunate that I have a specific look that is in higher demand. So my opportunities have been really amazing. Like I've booked so much work like when I got into modeling, I wanted to book one job a month to like help pay rent. And it's turned into a career, which is crazy. Hmm. Wow. But it's because I just went into it with an open mind. I was like, eh, if I get a job, I get a job. And then I started booking all these jobs. And it started getting to the point where when I'm like doing tracks, so, like the way modeling works is you kind of, you can dictate your own schedule. Like you can tell your agents, I'm not free on from this month, to this month block out my entire calendar and they won't even submit you for jobs. So like when track is getting really busy, I obviously don't, I don't have my calendar open or I'll say I'll only consider a direct job. So like, I don't have to drive into LA to do a casting, but right now I'm just, I'm like, send me everything. I don't care what it is. <laughs> That's funny. I was going to ask, I think about how you face, how you face rejection. Right. Because I feel like you mentioned um, you have to do all these castings and sometimes you won't hear anything. You won't get any callbacks. So how do you deal with that? Or, you know, you go in and it looks like it looks promising. And then, you know, I guess the door gets 
you know, I don't want to say slam in your face, but the door gets shut. And so how do you deal with that? And then afterwards, talk about how you deal with any negative, um, like negativity, I guess, either in the industry or from other people on your platform. I feel like there will be people now who view you as a model. And I feel like sometimes models can have this, like, it it can be like super positive, but oh, wow, she's amazing. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes it can be like, oh my gosh, I hate her. Or I hate what she's yeah, doing. Yeah, she's so fake. You know what I mean? Exactly. She so. doesn't look like that. She's photoshopping all her pictures, like yeah. all that stupid stuff. Yeah. So um, okay, so how I deal how I deal with disappointment or rejection. Um, so I used to internalize it and get really sad and feel embarrassed. I think that's I think that's the key word. I would feel embarrassed. I don't know why, I just would. Because you feel like they're rejecting you and that they're going to remember that like they rejected you. But what I realized is it's not the case. And I think I've been really fortunate to develop some really great relationships in the modeling industry. Like the modeling world is really small, especially in the fitness side of it. So clients will rebook you. And if they like you and they like to work with you, like they're going to rebook you because they know what they're going to get from being on set with you. And so I've been really fortunate to deal with, pretty nice people I've had a few incidences where I'm like oh my god I cannot stand this person Mm -hmm. um I just try to you know say it is what it is and I'm getting a paycheck so um I'll take my paycheck and I'll move on with my life but (laughs) I think getting rejected from castings like it can be really upsetting because you feel like they're rejecting you which sometimes they are honestly but I just think, you know, I've been so lucky to work for so many amazing brands and companies that the opportunities aren't going to go away. I just try to tell myself, like, this is just a lull. Just keep working hard. Keep putting yourself out there. And hopefully you'll get the next one. I just try not to put too much pressure on myself. I think the moment it's like the same thing with track. Like the moment you, t- you start to care too much about an event is the moment it all goes wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're right. And then dealing with the haters. Um, I've just, I've just started to realize like when people take the time out of their day to be an asshole to you, it's because they're an asshole and they're not happy. (laughs) And I just look at myself and, you know, I feel really lucky to live the life I live and I'll just continue to spread positivity as much as I can. And I mean, I think today, like somebody commented on one of my Instagram posts from like last week where I said, I just got dressed up because I wanted to took a picture and then changed back into sweats. Who else does this? And they said, you're so sad and you're so pathetic. Like all you care about is getting dressed up for Instagram. So people tell you, you look nice. And I'm like, wow, I didn't even answer, but I'm like, I'm like, wow. Like, first of all, I had, I said nothing about taking a picture for Instagram. Like I take pictures of myself all the time. I think people should take pictures of themselves. If you like how you look, take a stupid picture of yourself. Like who cares? And sometimes I post them on Instagram, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like sometimes it's just fun, especially during coronavirus to get out of your sweats, get dressed up, do a mini photo shoot, feel yourself and then put your sweats back on. Like there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing at all. So I just try to like live my life to the fullest because I've realized with how many life changes I've made, the one thing that I've always stayed true to myself on is I do what makes me happy. Mm -hmm. I don't do it for somebody else. I'm just going to do it. And no matter how many people tell me that it's not a good idea, if I think it's a good idea and it's going to make me happy, I will do it. Hmm. 
And that's smart. Because then in the, at the end of the day, you're happy. <laughs> I know, but it's so funny because I tell, I tell people now, like, especially these recruits, because I talk to a lot of recruits, obviously, because my husband is a coach in the NCAA. And I tell them all, like, when they're in college, don't stress so much about what you want to do with your life. Cause like if there is a will, there is a way like you will be okay. You don't need to know right this second, what you want to major in and which class you want to take on what, on what day. And like, when do you want to apply to your MCATs or X, Y, and Z? Like you'll figure it out. Trust me. If I can get a freaking finance job with a bio degree, like anything is possible. <laughs> anything. <laughs> And now I'm a model. <laughs> what does that yeah. say? <laughs> <laughs> but no, like I've been doing other things because I'm I've been going through this phase of like, what do I want to do with my life? Like, do I want to really give the Olympics a go, or do mm-hmm. I want to see where my modeling career can take me? Because I really do kind of want to get into acting. I think it'd be so much fun. Mm-hmm. I know it's a really competitive industry, but I just think it'd be a lot of fun. Um, do I want to go back to finance? Do I want to be a real estate agent? I don't know. I like, I like too many things. That's the problem. I'm sure you're going to figure it out because you've been doing that so far. Yeah. But how did you know when you were going to end your career? I have technically, I haven't. Yeah. I mean, technically, but like, how do you know, like when you're ready, you just know, like, I don't know. I've only asked two people, two people this and the first person, and they both essentially said something along similar, like, Similar things, essentially. Funny enough, they both happen to be like canoe, like in the canoe kayak space. Love that. Yeah. Um, but the first one said, like, he, he's like, yeah, I literally just woke up one morning. I was like, I, I just can't do this anymore. <laughs> That's what he said. So oh, like, okay. Super helpful. Um, yeah. And then, <laughs> and then the second one, she said that it came a moment for her where she's just like, I need a break. And yeah, um, that break just turned into like, well, actually. Retiring. Yeah, this is good. I mean, I think the reason why I'm struggling with this, I don't know if this is what you had planned for this podcast, but maybe I'll like spread some insight into why I've been struggling with if I want to do track or not. And I've been very open about this on my social media is I feel like the coronavirus has really put life into perspective and how you can make plans and you can hope for the best, but how quickly like things can change. Obviously, I have felt extreme financial security in the past, and I don't have that now because, like, the day coronavirus, like, really shut down the U.S., like, my income went to zero in a day. Mm. Like, I didn't get a modeling job. I didn't model for, like, two months until I finally got an at-home job, and now things are starting to open up and I'm getting jobs. But I realized, like, what am I doing? If the Olympics were to happen next year or if they weren't, Like, how would I feel about that? Or, But I think the problem is, is that coronavirus is forcing me to think of a decision that I didn't necessarily want to, wasn't ready to make. And Mm. so now I don't know if I feel like I'm over it or if I feel tired of it, but I could also just be tired of trying to train with no training situation. Like there's nothing here. You can go on a grass field. Everything is shut down because I'm in LA County. So literally everything is shut down. I think, I don't even know how they got Allison Felix on that track for the inspiration games yesterday. <laughs> I really don't. That was like some, that's because she's Allison Felix. Possibly. So it's just tough. <laughs> yeah. So it's just tough. Did you watch them? 
Uh, I watched the highlights. They were kind of silly. They were kind of silly. Like Noah Lyles literally thought he had run eighteen ninety, and then it turns I saw out that. he had started from the wrong <laughs> line. Yeah, <laughs> which is a totally unfortunate. And like, I don't how do you how does that happen? You know what I mean? But neither. Yeah, how does that happen? I have like, no idea. But yeah, so I don't know. I'm just in a weird place, and then I'm also 27. My husband is 37. I always knew that I was going to really try to go to the Olympics this year. And then probably retire and have a family. So I'm just in a very weird place in my life. Well, if you were to look back, like if you were to look, if you if you were to tell this story to your your kids, to your great grandkids, right, and be mm-hmm. like, "This is what happened at this situation." What would you tell them that you did? And understand that they're going to ask you why. Yeah. So if you and that's the thing, like, so follow that, like, like choose choose something right now like it doesn't have to be what you want just choose one that first thing that popped in your mind track okay great like why did you choose track yeah i mean so i think what's hard for me right now is there's so much uncertainty in the ncaa and obviously that's what my husband does Mm -hmm. so there is like a lot of uncertainty on schools are going to do their best to reopen, but if they can't have athletics, what will they do with coaches? Because if students can't be on campus and they're not paying tuition, where are you going to get the money to pay your coaches? So these thoughts have been as crazy as I am with the big life choices I've made. I've always been pretty calculated in what I do. And so to feel like financially, like I also need to be stable enough to you know, like provide for my family as well. I think that has been the main driver of it, this uncertainty of like what is going to happen in the fall. And I think once I know what's going to happen, like the answer will be very clear to me because usually when I make a decision like this, I have a clear mind. And right now I don't have a clear mind to make the decision. Like, I think I know what my heart wants to do, but then there's also this rational side of my brain saying like, okay, even though this may be what you want to do, you might have to grow up. And you may have to give up on that for X, Y, and Z. So hmm. I have this like internal battle with it, you know? Yeah. I don't know. It's weird. Maybe I'll have an update for you in a few weeks or something. <laughs> that's a really yeah. interesting, that's I guess, a like, interesting like, uh, predicament that you find yourself in, like having to choose like this next step. Which funny enough, you know, I think that you'd be like really relaxed about it, seeming as how like you've made some pretty big, life changes in the past, you know, for being a doctor to go yeah. to an analyst and then going all in a track and moving across the country. Like those are big. I know, like, but those are huge. I know. I know. I was in, um, I was in Europe on that Europe trip competing when Justin was like, Oh, I got the job and I had to book a flight to fly our dog out there and tell my boss like, Oh, he did get a job. So I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> it was a crazy month, but I mean, I think what's tough is, is that now this choice in all the other choices, track was always in my life and Mm -hmm. track always will be in my life. But in this choice, track is what is, you know, potentially not going to be in my life anymore, which is why I'm struggling so much with it. Obviously you need to have enough money and there needs to be meets to be able to go to. So as of right now, my plan is to just like give everything I can and do the best I can training wise. And you know, like shoot my shot. And if something drastically changes and I have to go back to work, then that's what I'll do. And it's unfortunate, but that's kind of where I'm at right now. Yeah. 
I just need a track to open up. Like I've never wanted to go run a 200 so bad in my life, like on a track. I hate running. (laughs) You know, I'm your typical jumper. Like I hate running. It's so uncomfortable. (laughs) What? You know, like when you like have lactic acid and it's just not, just doesn't feel good. (laughs) Yeah, Um, you're right. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, like sprinters have to endure that. Like a jumper doesn't need to necessarily, you know, be miss queen of lactic acid workouts. So when they do them, it really sucks. You're right. We have no buffer. We have zero buffer for that stuff. It's okay though. Two questions. Okay. Right now, during this whole like pandemic that we've been going through, what's been something that you've learned so far either by yourself or just about things in general like what's one thing that you have like discovered and be like huh this is something that i can either take going forward and learn about yourself and then also that same question when looking back right through you know all the different changes and like life situations that happen what's also something that or a really important lesson that you've been able to take away from there and use like now um okay so something that i've learned through all of this is I think this pandemic has really shown me how much I need to appreciate everything I have in the moment. You get so caught up with, I'm going to check all this stuff off and I'm just going to keep moving on from this one to the next one to the next one. And sometimes you don't actually realize that that could be your last commercial. That could be your last track meet. And Mm. so I've really tried to just, you know, embrace every single life experience and be grateful for it and actually enjoy it. So when you do have good news, like you allow yourself to be happy about it and you don't just like do it for a fleeting second and move on. Like you actually like take a step back and say, wow, like this is so awesome. And I am so grateful for this opportunity. And then the other thing is like, through all the things in my life, I mean, I've always been grateful, but I got to say, if you don't have a good support system in your life, it is really hard to make these life changes. Like, my sister and I used to hate each other, but she literally is my number one fan. And she, she doesn't model, but she, and she could have been so jealous or so like not happy for me or so like, I wish I could do that too. And she has literally been my number one fan throughout all of this. And like, I would, I hope I make her feel like I'm her number one fan too. I don't know what she does, but I try. (laughs) Um, But she really is my number one fan. And I wouldn't get through life without her. And same with my husband. Like, you know, a lot of people would be like, oh, like you're going to go model. Like, what are you wearing? Or like, what? Like, you know what I mean? They would feel a little bit insecure. But any single job I've gotten, no matter how weird it is, like he has pushed me to go to every casting and get out of my comfort zone. and so even my parents, like they've always supported us. Like, I just think I've realized that you really do need to surround yourself by people who actually want the best for you. Mm. Because what I've realized also with that along the way is that you have a lot of friends who aren't actually happy for you. They may act like they are, but you find out that they're not They're You find out they say stuff behind your back or, you know, so you really just have to have a solid group of people around you. And going back, what's one thing that you've taken from like all the like 
think it's really important that or that you've learned from everything that you've like that you've used. Yeah. I really regret my NCAA career, not in the sense of I, I think I had a lot of success on paper, but I was a brat. Um my uh, my coach hated me. <laughs> I hated her. And now we're like we're very close. We text all the time and but I was a brat. I didn't want to do running workouts. I would try everything in my power to get out of them. And I kick myself because I saw what one year of training did where I committed to just doing what I needed to do. And I was working 60 hours a week at this hedge fund. And then I would literally get on a subway for an hour and a half, train for an hour, and then get on a subway home and do it all over again. And I jumped 1327 that year, hmm. literally like not doing enough because I was trying to balance training and working at a hedge fund and like just getting around the city is really difficult. It just takes forever. The tracks are on the edges of the city. You can't put a track in the middle of the city. And then what a lot of people don't know is that the armory, they don't let you wear spikes in there for training. So I would do all my triple thumb training in flats. Oh, interesting. So anyways, there's, yeah. So I look back on that and I'm like, I could have been like, you know, nobody, I think only like one girl had jumped over 13 meters in the NCAA when I was there. And it was from like 1970 something like I could have been the division three record holder had I just tried. And so I think because I graduated and I regretted not like taking my nutrition more seriously, not taking my practices more seriously and not enjoying like instead of being a two-time national champion, I could have been a 10 time national champion. And so Hmm. I'm proud of what I did, but I am also very annoyed at myself with that. But that is something that I have taken into every single situation moving forward is I'm not going to just half-ass something because I don't want to look back and have the same regrets as I did with that experience. Now I just like give it my all, all the time. What was the hardest thing you had to like bounce back from? Um, I won't get into too much detail about this, but I went through a a situation of harassment, I guess you could call it sexual harassment, harassment, like verbal harassment. And I kind of, I let it change me as a person and I didn't recognize who I became. And when I finally saw the light and I made changes in my life, like I was a much happier person for it, but I was brainwashed and I had no idea. So I think that was really hard to bounce back from because I kind of lost who I was and I didn't know like who to trust or where to go and so I had to really build myself back up which I did and now I'm fine I could care less about what happened but it was kind of like it makes you realize like when you see these stories in the news of people you know being victims of harassment when you think to yourself like oh they had to have known like or like a, a wife who's being abused by her husband like what people don't realize is those people have no idea what is happening to them in that moment and so I think like you have to deal with a lot of judgment of people thinking, well, like, how did she not know or X, Y, and Z? And it's like, well, because you, you're manipulated. So you don't know. <laughs> so that was, that was a hard thing to bounce back from, but I did and I'm good. And, you know, now I can like chuckle about it. But mm-hmm. I think there was like a six month period where I would cry every single day. Oh, shoot. Yeah. He just walked by and he's like, like six, six months. months. And I'm like, okay, maybe there's probably a year on like, Yeah, to deal with it. And he did. He dealt with it in stride. Where do you go, Justin? I shouldn't say even deal with it though, because it wasn't like 
like, I, you know, I'm insignificant other. It was, but it was a difficult time for us because like I questioned everything. A lot of like my insecurities in our relationship developed from this experience because sure. of things sure. that were being put into my head. So it was yeah. tough, but yeah. I'm so much happier for it. And I'm just lucky that I was surrounded by really great people who, you know, they helped me through it and that were good. What do you wish you would have known before okay. getting into modeling or before, you know, deciding to stop being a doctor to start to go into the, like the financial world in, in New York or before, you know, leaving New York to, um, mm-hmm. to fly across the country to, to LA. Is there, is there one thing that you would have known for across the entire, like each change or is there something different for each change that you would have known or would have liked to known beforehand? Yeah. I mean, I think for for the biggest change of my life, obviously growing up in Canada, I made the decision to go to the U.S. And I think when I went to college, I always knew I wanted to stay in the U.S. because I do think that in different industries, there, there is more opportunity here. And I love living here. I do miss Canada, but I love living here and I love my life um, in California. But I think I wish I would have known how difficult it was to be here legally because it's really hard, even if you go to college, even if you're from Canada, like, you know, when you're in Canada, you just assume like, oh yeah, I can, you know, I can go live in the United States. It's easy. And it's not <laughs> at all. So I think I would have <laughs> known like what more of that process was like, but how, how would a high schooler know that? Like you, you don't, because the issue I find is when you come to college here, like you, you build roots and you make lifelong friends. And mm-hmm. so your whole life is in this country. And then it is extremely difficult to stay like that lottery I was talking about. There were people in my class who were Canadian who had similar types of jobs as me who ended up having to go back to Canada because they didn't get the visa. Oh, wow. And they were more than qualified for the job. They just, their name didn't get picked out of the hat. That's crazy. So I wish I would have known that. And then I think like, I don't know. I think that's, I, I think there's a, I like going into life, not knowing what's ahead. I think that's what makes it exciting. I think that's what makes it interesting and fun. And so I don't actually wish I would have known anything else. Like I look back on my life trajectory and it honestly just makes me laugh, but it makes me really happy. Cause like, to be honest, my life has been really fun. Fair enough. Yeah. Like, part of that, fun, it's like an adventure. Like I have no idea what the future brings and I like it that way. Like it's just unsettling at times, but it makes it really exciting. And, you know, I get to go through life with a partner and we have our dog. We're actually getting another puppy. Um, cause I need a friend cause I'm the third wheel. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's just exciting. Like you don't know what life is going to throw at you. And I like it that way. If you were to go back and either speak to like a young div or you know, give advice, one piece of advice, you can only give one piece of advice. What, Okay. Um, what would that be? It would be, don't try to have your entire life planned out. It's okay to not know what you want to do. Why that? Um, because I think sometimes in life when you try to like fit it into this box of what you want to happen and it doesn't happen the way you've hoped or dreamed, like there's so many people who will never get into med school. They will do everything in their power to get in, but they're never, they, they just don't get in. And I think when you try to like, it's always great to have a plan, but when you try to put too much pressure on yourself for life to work out the way you want it to, you're not able to handle hardship. And so like this virus, for example, has put 
a huge wrench in people's plans, like in athletics and unemployment and everything. And so I think if you try to live your life with like, don't stress too much about knowing exactly what needs to happen and when it's going to happen, you're actually capable of handling these types of situations in stride. And you just don't know what opportunities are going to present themselves. And if you're closed off to those opportunities, you could be missing out on something you didn't even know you loved. Like I had no idea I was going to love modeling this much. I had no idea. And I just kind of like jumped in and I ended up loving it. But I, if I would have just thought like, Oh, like I don't even want to try. I would have never known how much I loved it. That's awesome. Um, Where could people find you? How can people get in contact with you either on the web or uh, social media? How can people connect with you? So you can connect with me um, on Instagram at Divya Biswal, D-I-V-Y-A-B-I-S-W-A-L, one word. Um, I also have a blog called Daily Dose of Div where (laughs) I do a lot of recipes or reviews or just like blogs about life. Um, And so you can find me on my blog at my blog also has an Instagram daily dose of div. Yeah. Well, there you go. So make sure you guys uh, reach out to div. If you have any questions or you just want to say what's up. Um, Div, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for sharing your story and some of your um, adventures and experiences and um, really looking forward to, seeing how people kind of are able to like react and connect with, with your story it's pretty cool well thanks for having me what an honor <laughs> hey thanks so much for listening that's it for today's episode i hope you guys have a great uh day great afternoon great wherever you are for more episodes or for any details about the inner olympian or anything like that you can check us out on instagram at the inner um, you can also check us out at theinnerolympian.com. Um, also, if you like the show, it would mean so much to me if you would leave a comment, leave a review, leave five stars. I'm just saying. Um, as well, if you have any questions, comments, or anything like that that you'd like to share or that you want to hear on the show or any guests or anything like that, um, feel free to send a message to support at theinnerolympian.com or send me a message on you know Instagram, Facebook. Um, you know, let me know what's going on and I'll see you guys next time. So until then, peace.